Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Average Ontario Anglers Fishing Podcast. Yeah. It's episode 26, and we are going to be talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Acronym is BFS, which stands for Big Fish Syndrome. Well, sometimes. It actually stands for Bait Finesse System. <laughs> I've heard what other people said it stands for, but I can't say it on air because it's inappropriate. <laughs> and we'll leave it at, at that. Beep. We also have, uh, to start off, we do have a, as usual, an interesting fishing fact for Jesse. He's going to have that for us today. Is that what you have? Or just yeah, no. All right. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, surprise Andrew as to what I'm going to do. Yeah, we usually keep the, the intros uh, a surprise from each other, so we don't always know what to introduce, which is kind of an oversight I think we should look at. <laughs> <laughs> no one's complained yet, so we'll just stick with it. Perfect, and no one better. Now, I thought that uh, this would be a very short but interesting, interesting fishing fact, and it doesn't really have that much to do with Ontario per se, but it really affects fishing in general, so I thought we could do that. Now, when we walked in to record today, Andrew was like, wow. You're wearing a Bass Pro Shops hat. A <laughs> little bit of a backstory about the Bass Pro Shops hats. Now, you see them worn out, worn around town. You see people wear them. You see people wear them that don't even fish. So yeah. it's kind of one of those things for me. It's like people would be like, oh, don't you wear a Bass Pro Shops hat? I'm like, no. <laughs> I, I used to wear Bass Pro Shops hats before it was cool. I don't want to sound like an old man, but remember when Bass Pro Shops first came to Canada and it opened in Vaughan? Yep. There's the only one in Canada. That was a huge deal. Cause yeah. like, you know, we always, you know, had the Bass Pro Shops catalogs from the States. <laughs> so when finally there was one in Toronto, I remember the first time we went, I went with Andrew and his parents and we went on boxing day the first year it opened. Yeah. It was insane. And I walked in there and I was like a teenager, right? We're just very blown young. away by oh, like, it was amazing. Oh, and so even cool. now, like it's not my favorite store. I'm not going to lie. But when you walk in there, just the decor is amazing. Like they have a float plane hanging <laughs> from the ceiling, a full-size a humpback whale, <laughs> a huge aquarium. Like if you've never been to Bass Pro Shops in Vaughn and you're ever in the area, I'd highly recommend it. It yeah. is amazing in there. But anyway, I'm wearing a Bass Pro Shops And always hat. take a picture with the moose outside. Yes, always. <laughs> so you may be wondering, Jesse, why are you wearing a Bass Pro Shops hat? And I'll I, tell you I why. still am. It is Please out of me. respect for the retiring... Kevin Van Dam. He's retiring. He, I haven't heard this. He fished his last tournament uh, in August. Wow. Actually, we record this about two weeks in advance, but... Uh, I just, saw he was like in the lead. I saw the post. Did he win? He came in second. Oh, so yeah, cl- that would have been amazing to come in last first, still tournament. like second. Now, if you're not familiar with Kevin Van Dam, it just has a special part in, I think, a lot of anglers... People that were obsessed with fishing in their lives, because Kevin Van Dam, we'll go through a few of just interesting facts about him. Like, again, he's just a guy. Yeah. But he's a guy that literally knows how to catch bass. Like, this guy, he <laughs> is the guy who has won the most money from professional bass fishing tournaments in history. He is the first, like, besides guys that you see on TV and, and their shows, like Bob Azumi, yes, he's professional angler. But I mean, the guy who's actually, the first professional angler that I memorized the name of was who actually like won tournaments and was actually a, like a hammer and was winning money, winning these events was Kevin Van Dam. He's like the Wayne Gretzky of fishing. Yeah. He's like the Tiger Woods, you know, like he at, in his prime was unstoppable. Yeah. They, they, they said he was like a bull in the China shop. Like that guy was <laughs> insane. So here's some interesting fishing facts about Kevin Van Dam. He's from Michigan, Kalamazoo. It sounds made <laughs> up, but okay. Just get a kazoo noise in there. Yeah. He has, it, this is just in Bassmaster. So in Bassmaster, he had 25 first place finishes in his career. And now his career, he started fishing. He's been a professional uh, bass angler for over 30 years. Wow. So he's been around for quite a bit. He has won the Bassmaster Classic four times. <laughs> We're talking the biggest bass tournament, basically the most legendary, largest big bass tournament. If you win that once, you're a legend. 
Yeah. He's won it four times. <laughs> now, that being said, Rick Clun, who is another insane bass fisherman, he's won it four times as well, but no one else has come close. He is literally the goat. That's what they call him, the goat. And he's won over $7 million in prize money. Now that, I said that to my wife earlier. I was like, he's won $7 million. And she's like, that's a lot of money. And it's like, well, over 30 years, it's not really that much money. Mm-hmm. But that's in winnings. That is yeah. not in sponsored deals and all this stuff. So like off the top of your head, like I'm wearing a Bass Pro Shops hat. Kevin Van Dam has been sponsored by Bass Pro Shops since like the beginning, like forever. <laughs> what are some other, you know, a lot of other companies that he's been with forever, like Strike King. Yep. Like yep. how many lures have you owned that are KVD? It's like, oh, the KVD jerkbait, the they KVD still, crankbait. I, I like, still like those. Like a lot of those those baits are, are cool. Like you get some, some odd sizes and stuff like that that yeah. you just can't get with other manufacturers. If you don't know anything about Kevin Van Damme, he is a power fisherman, which is why I think I find it so special because that's that's what I more relate to. Obviously, he's he's flipped and he's done other things, but like when you think of Kevin Van Damme, usually he's throwing a spinnerbait, he's throwing a crankbait, or he's throwing a jerkbait. Like the guy's just like, go, go, go. And he's yeah. just, you see him working a jerkbait on YouTube and he's just like, like he's insane. Like the way he fishes so fast, so fast. It's insane. That's kind of what he's known for. But anyway, I thought one interesting fishing fact about Kevin Van Dam. What is the biggest bass you think he's pulled in in a tournament? In a tournament? Yeah. You have to think. I, like, I would think that he would have broken it. Uh, I know there's not many that have broken like 10 pounds, but he's fishing in the States. I would assume that he's caught one. That's 10 pounds. Yep, correct. So now there are a few anglers that have broken the 10 pound mark in a tournament. And you may think like, oh, in Florida, there's all kinds of 10 pound bass. Mm-hmm. In tournaments, they are caught. They're not <laughs> as common as you think. Yeah. Okay. That's like saying, oh, in Ontario, you can catch 50-inch muskie. You can, but yeah. they're, they're rare. In tournaments, they're fishing for big fish, not the biggest fish, because they're going to limit their productivity that way. Exactly. So this is actually the story of Kevin Van Dam's biggest... I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is his biggest fish that he said. He was fishing in a Bassmaster Elite 50, and he brought in an 11-pound, 13-ounce largemouth bass. And the funny thing is, it was actually the new lake record. So <laughs> he caught during yeah. tournament. Imagine wow. living on a lake, and you were like determined. You're like, man, I want to catch that lake re- that lake record. And then just Kevin Van Dam rolls up, fishes the tournament, and breaks it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just thought we would do a little thing about Kevin Van Dam because, like, when we were growing up, and even now, I've learned so much from watching his videos. Like how to fish a jerk if you type in in youtube like how to fish a jerk bait half the videos are kevin van dam he's mm-hmm. the king of i don't care what anyone says like other people like oh i designed this jerk bait. i don't care kevin van dam owns the jerk bait he owns it he's won probably more money on jerk baits than anyone 100 <laughs> percent. but yeah you know what i was watching um i was watching the tournament on the weekend and he he announced that he was retiring earlier in the year and and he's not retiring from fishing. He's just retiring from fishing professionally. I I'm really excited to see what he has in store, like yeah. education wise. Yeah, he's added so much to the industry, and, and I think now is the time where he's going to actually just like go into full creative mode. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. But he was fishing this tournament, and he was just like he was tearing up in his interviews. He's like, you know, this is my last tournament. You know, I've I've been pushing really hard, and like, you know, the last few years, like everyone's like they always compare like athletes and stuff to when they were in their prime. They're like, oh man, you know. Kevin Van Dam sucks now. He hasn't been doing good. It's like, this guy's a legend. Like, they're not always going to be at the top of their game, like, well, you know, past their prime. He's been consistent, though. But in this last tournament, somehow, he's just, like, he's in the top. He's in the top. And I was like, please win first (laughs) prize. Please win. He was ahead by a fair margin, too. Like He came in second. But you know what? 
A second place That's finish, insane, nothing yeah. to sneeze at. Way nothing to, go, to sneeze Kevin at. Van Damme. Yeah, <laughs> considering his whole career, how successful he was. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really care about professional bass anglers. I don't. I don't really like. We do follow it. We do find it interesting. You mainly follow up for me. I'll see like the odd update online, but yeah. you're the one who I get most of my information from about tournaments. Yeah, I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> half the tournaments, I'm just like the Johnson brothers won it again. <laughs> Which one? All of them. <laughs> but anyway, I thought we could just you know tip our hat to Kevin Van Dam for just being the goat, the greatest of all time, yeah. and we. I mean, like, he obviously doesn't know who the heck we are, but we hope that he yeah. <laughs> has a good future. If, if you have contact with Kevin Van Dam, let him know. Tell him that we shouted him out in this podcast. And if you can tell him that we wholeheartedly would welcome him with open arms <laughs> to join us on, a, on an episode, <laughs> on an interview about his fishing career, we would 100% do that. So if you can pass that on to him, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> the odds of that happening are very low. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that would be interesting, especially just because of, you know, current events and, you know, he's a beast. So, but anyway, well, that I'll, was my interesting fishing fact. I'll give that uh, a 90 out of a hundred because one, he, like you say, he's the goat. Awesome. And also to see you in that Bass Pro Shops hat after not see, I thought you got rid of all of them. Like last time I saw that was probably 10 years ago. That's, that's your old one though, isn't it? No, I, I bought this one like maybe four years ago. Okay. Because you had one just like it. Like, you know, oh, yeah. This is just the, you know, the standard one. You, you walk into Bass Pro Shops and they yep. just have the big bins full of Bass Pro Shops hats. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Again, I don't want to say like, I don't like wearing brands. I don't like wearing Bass Pro Shops hats just because it seems like such a hoser or like a poser thing to do nowadays. <laughs> a hoser thing. <laughs> but They're an American company, Jesse, not Canadian. It's true. Anyway, <laughs> now on to the main topic. Excellent. So BFS bait finesse system bait finesse system so what's have you heard of the origin story for kind of how it came into existence or or There's, i don't know do you, do you have any theories on my kind of theory where it started, is at least? there were a bunch of guys that fished okay and they were like wow this spinning gear is affordable and it can cast lightweight lures I want to spend triple the amount to cast the same thing less distance. Just kidding. <laughs> Andrew's going to school me soon, but no, I, I don't know the origins at all. It seems like it, it wasn't super old. Yeah. So it's, it is fairly recent, especially being called bait finesse system. Like to be given the name, uh, that happened in the early two thousands when it was first referenced as BFS. Uh, but modified bait casters have been used since the nineties, uh, even in, in tournaments, uh, and they've gained popularity in the past 10 to 15 years as a BFS, bait finesse system. But the origin of, of it is said to have uh, developed in Japan for... Now, this is where I don't get it because they're unsure if it developed for fishing pressured bass and then they started using it for fishing trout and streams or if it was designed for fishing trout and streams and then they started using it for fishing pressured bass. Ah. Now, it blows my mind that something like this recently introduced in the 2000s would be you know an unknown origin <laughs> it's like i'm pretty sure they know the secret but they're just not telling us yeah. it's like we've fished this for 100 years it's like oh we just found out about it we're americans <laughs> <laughs> just for the record we are not americans yeah, we're north americans <laughs> as in north of americans <laughs> north of americans so they, they don't know so they don't know exactly what it's been designed for. Lame. However, it is used thoroughly in Japan for both those purposes. Yeah. So uh, I know in the past you've, you've talked before about uh, the bass in Japan. Uh, the reason why BFS works so well and is so popular over there is because the pressured fish there is insane. Like super clear water 
and the fishing pressure is is crazy because yeah. all all the bass were introduced over there. They were stocked. They weren't native to the area. They just brought it over in order to to monetize on the fishing opportunity for it. It's yeah. just a sport species out there. So when they develop BFS, it's because there's a limited number of lakes with all stocked fish that keep getting released. That is just all smart. They've seen everything under the sun. And so these bass are extremely wary of anything. If you cast a jitterbug, you're not catching squat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they have to develop these crazy, like, like really finesse, really detailed. Supernatural. Like, very natural, very, like, like subtle in their movements. Crazy finesse baits. Now, I love that. I love finesse fishing. Jesse had a special or had a fact about Kevin Van Dam as a power fisherman, which he loves. And then he looks at me casting these tiny baits and he's like, you weirdo. And then I just nail a big two pounder. A big two pounder. Well, it is on light gear. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the biggest questions that uh, comes up when talking about BFS is why would you use BFS when spinning reels exist? What do you think? Because you have a lot of money burning a hole in your pocket. (laughs) <laughs> line twist I, I i don't have a lot of money burning a hole in my pocket but i i like it <laughs> agree so line twist is the for my for me is the biggest thing that's why i prefer using bfs so line twist as we talked about before the difference on the on our q a and a aoa q a uh, we talked about bait casters and spinning reels a fair bit so spinning reels they will twist the line as they reel it in back onto the spool and if you're fishing, you know, for a couple days straight, you're going to have a lot of line twist when you cast out. Any slack in the line starts coiling on itself. With the BFS, because it's a bait caster, it's reeling that, that line back onto the spool straight. So there's no line twist that you're going to have unless you're fishing like a spinner, something where the, the bait itself is spinning your line. So for me, that was huge because now I can spool up my, my BFS and I don't have to worry about getting a line twist for the whole season. I love it. But the other uh, reason too, a lot of guys will say more accurate casting, which is why, I mean, bait casters have been popular for a long time for that purpose. Yeah. And as well, uh, fishing light gear is exciting. It's fun. It is fun. So it's it's not to say, now that's not to say that, you know, you can fish light gear on a spinning rod too, but BFS is just kind of its own little, little world. It's fun to play in. It is true. So there's kind of two genres of bfs and i know you've mentioned it before there's like americanized bfs and there's like true like original bfs so i want to talk a bit about the examples Uh, i brought a couple of my boxes so i have one box which is my kind of true bfs more so and then i have my americanized bfs which this is my main one that i use so the a true bfs bait can uh the reels are designed and the rods are designed to cast like one to two gram baits, like a 16th of an ounce. And you like put that in perspective. Um, like this thing here is a tiny little Rapala that has a single treble hook on the back. It's like an inch long. It's <laughs> is this a floater or, or the countdown? I think it's a countdown. This is, the, I think this is the smallest countdown you can get. Yeah. It's literally the size of like a peanut. Yep. And that thing, I think that weighs a little less than a quarter of an ounce. Yeah. So that's not even a 16th. That's, that's, heavier than what people are casting with true bfs even this one here jesse picked this up from down in the states this is like a little bean like yeah (laughs) it's tiny and these things this is kind of like true bfs you're fishing like a a 16th to to three thirty seconds ounce baits they're tiny they'll fish like marabou jigs 
like just on like little like not even full jig heads but they're just like a bead on a hook yeah. <laughs> with marabou tied on and they'll cast these things now some of the videos i know when i was looking for bfs stuff online you see all these videos and all these guys who are testing reels and doing this stuff what do they do they, they like, oh, we modified these these bearings. We did this to the spool and I, I, I cast it with it and we tied on this weight. And we're going to see how far we can cast it. And they fired this thing like, oh, I got 100 feet with this. That's, to me, that's silly <laughs> because it's not real world application. Yeah. So fishing uh, like original BFS style baits, when you're casting these small things, uh, in my experience, what I've noticed is I have to use really finesse, like tiny treble hooks. Stuff like this where like the fish will just grab it and it starts pricking into them. Yeah, they're so thin and sticky. Yeah, because I was using on my BFS rod, I have a, a sense light. I'll go into my combos that I that I have as well in a little bit. But I was using uh, a small chatterbait with it. And unfortunately, I could not get the, the hook set on this chatterbait. And it's not a, a very thick gauge hook. Like that is a finesse hook for a chatterbait. Yeah. And I could not get this. I had so many strikes, could not land a single fish with this. But as soon as I switched over to, it's actually this one right here. This is a, a dangle bait. It's a crappy uh, crankbait. Now this is this probably weighs three sixteenths. Yeah, it's pretty it's small. it's pretty. It's got some rattles inside, but it's it's still small. It still casts really well when when you throw this in a BFS. And this thing here, because it has those smaller treble hooks, I was landing fish left and right. It was awesome. So the two combos that I have, uh, I have the the budget setup. My first setup, which is Cast King Zephyr. And I have uh, a medium, moderate, fast bait caster, which uh, Jesse gave me, actually. So it's it's an old Babazumi special. <laughs> yeah, the old Shimano Babazumi signature series. It's actually, yeah, it's a, I think it's a crankbait rod. It is, yeah. So it's, it's, it's mod fast, and it's really nice because on that reel, what I did is I spooled it up with 10-pound braid. This year, I'm probably going to switch over to 15-pound braid just because I mainly use that just to replace a spinning rod. And for me... Like I, all these crankbaits and stuff, this is kind of the Americanized version of BFS. All these crankbaits, little topwaters, J13s, minnow spins, uh, the Rebel Crayfish crankbait. Like, like you know me, I, I always have to throw this. It's one of his favorites. <laughs> all these things, are, they're difficult to cast on a bait caster, if not impossible. They're too light and they're very like, they don't have heft to them. Yeah. So even if you can cast them and they catch the wind, they just, they fly. Yeah. Tangle City if you're using a bait caster. <laughs> because I like fishing these baits, and there are days I go out and I fish this stuff all day long on a spinning, like I said, on a spinning reel, I'm so frustrated at the end of that day because it's just tangle, 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 tangle. And yeah, I'll get backlash and it's tangle, tangle, tangle on the BFS. <laughs> but it's it's limiting my expectations. And that was a big thing because the next combo that I got, I I made a big step up. So the rod is, is still very budget. It's the Shimano... Uh, sense of light but they have a very good reputation very good reputation but i think i got the rod for 40 bucks plus tax at uh, the local tackle shop like it's really like amazing price for a rod like that Mm -hmm. and it is designed for bfs and i also got the daiwa alphys tw so it's basically a steez (laughs) but for micro baits (laughs) yeah so some of the 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 differences with bfs actually if you want to talk about the reels what's the difference between a bfs bait caster and let's say uh like your regular like a small 100 series or 150 series bait caster yeah so for instance one of the reels that we always talk about is the daiwa tatula svtw 103 that's the one we always talk about and when it comes to tatulas if we stick with daiwa when it comes to tatulas 
the SVTW103 is like a finesse reel mm-hmm. for bass, not BFS. It's a finesse reel, has a slightly shallower spool. It's a very small frame. But when you look at a BFS reel, it has an even smaller frame. And I think the main difference is the spool is so shallow. The spools are like, they hold like no line. Remember that time I looked at that reel when you got it and the spool looked like it would hold like 10 yards of line. Yeah. I was like, what are you going to do when you cast a bait? But you put on four pound test and four pound test thickness and yeah, you can put on, but you're, you're only supposed to put on like uh, 50 to 75 yards because you're not designed to cast like a hundred feet, like all the time. Like it's not what it's designed for. Yeah. And the big thing with it, you look at the spool, the BFS spools, they can, uh, I think the, one of the heavier ones is about six, uh, six ounces, 0.6 ounces for the weight of a spool, which is pretty light. Yeah. You get the ones that are like higher end. They're like 0.3, 0.4 of an ounce. They're pretty much like all ported. They're, they're just full of holes and, and literally they're just super thin. I think the thing with that is with any reel, when you have a spool that's that light and that thin, the startup is amazing. That's, Which that's is what the you need. Big thing. So when yeah. you're casting any of these baits, normally with a bait caster to to eliminate a backlash where the, the line kind of spools off that reel and creates this big bird's nest, is that startup. So when you're casting a half ounce bait or a three quarter ounce bait, and you fire it out, the rod loads, it casts out, and that that lure is pulling all the line off the spool. It as soon as you release that line. It has its most speed, most velocity coming off of that spool. It's not a problem for it. If you're casting something that's too light, it's not going to rode the rod tip. It's not going to kind of flick forward and it's not going to be pulling line off, but that it's going to pull instantly. And then the resistance of trying to pull that spool forward slows the bait down and no longer is pulling line off, but the spool keeps spinning and backlash. Yeah. So to have something as light as possible with micro bearings, with a, a ported spool, with not too much line because you put too much line on, it becomes too heavy. <laughs> yeah, uh, That's how you can cast these finesse baits. That's a whole purpose of them. And like I said, they've been modifying bait casters for that to be able to cast finesse baits for 30 years plus now. Yep. So it's not something super new. Uh, think of like other things that have only been around for 30 years in the fishing industry. Uh, let's look at the sticker here, brought it to mind, but goby fishing. Look how much gobies have changed the fishing industry now that they're in Canada. That's a new development. That happened in the, definitely within the past 30 years, within the past 20 years. Yeah. That has has taken effect and has changed how we fish. Stuff like this, yeah, it's it's relatively new, but it's around for a reason. Yes, there is a, there is a need for it. It is a niche. And I, I think the main thing is people that are BFS snobs, so to say, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. People that are BFS snobs or they're, that's their thing. They're, I find they're very aggressive on like social media. That, like, basically anyone's like, oh, I can cast that same thing with the spinning reel. And they're like, no, you can't. It's like, <laughs> let me tell you, you, yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. Is it as fun? Probably not. Is it as expensive? Heck no. <laughs> spinning reels are way, way <laughs> cheaper. But it it's... It's not about how you catch fish. It's how you catch fish as you enjoy it. Yes. which And that is 100% BFS fishing. It's all yeah. about the person's enjoyment. I 100% agree. 100%. <laughs> so another question is, would I still use spinning gear even though I have BFS? 100%. Again, I'll take a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we do say that too much. It's true. <laughs> But so, spinning has its benefits too. Oh, 100%. Crap, I said it again. 
As soon as I mention that, we're just, that's all we can say now. <laughs> Thanks, random guy. I wholeheartedly guy. agree. Yes. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> so a spinning rod or spinning reel, spinning combo. I still use that for like walleye fishing. If I'm jig fishing, bobber fishing, even you know, slip bobber, stuff like that. Spinning is still ideal for me. It's the king. Yeah. Yeah. So, or if it's windy, like if yeah. it's windy, I'm not going to use a BFS <laughs> combo to chuck a little micro chat, like crankbait into the wind. It's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to have a terrible day. So I, I always, or fishing Sankos, I, I still prefer uh, a spinning rod for stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm casting small crankbaits, I would rather cast that on a BFS than a spinning rod. So I, I invested some money and that's why I started out with that, uh, the cast King Zephyr is because I wanted to know if it was something that I would end up using. And I still have that reel and I still use that reel. And it's it's relatively inexpensive. What was it, 100 bucks-ish? Ordering from the States, yeah, it was, it was 100 bucks. That's after, not bad. After everything. So again, you, you look at a spinning reel, you're going to spend about that much for a, a decent spinning reel as well. So it's not a lot to get into it. And again, if you head down and you want to get a nice light action rod, you could get a sense light. You could even just get a light bait caster if you wanted something to kind of just replace your spinning combo and see if you like trying out BFS. It's not too much to get into it at an entry level just to see. Because that reel, it does cast well. Is it going to cast a two gram bait? No. I've tried it. No. (laughs) But casting stuff like a crappy crankbait... 100%. 100%. Crap, I said it again. Absolutely, it will. Casting things uh, like small topwaters. Uh, this is the Evergreen SB 77.7. This is actually pretty heavy, but because of the, the finesse hooks, I do have it in with, with this. When you start casting things that are like 3 eighths is about as big as I'd cast. Half ounce, I'm not going to cast it on my on my BFS style stuff. Yeah. But you cast something three eighths, you can fire this thing way further than a regular bait caster. Yes. So I can almost empty the spool if I cast this. So you got to be careful. But stuff that's a quarter ounce or or just or three sixteenths, these things are amazing for casting this out. Being able to cast again this this small bait, I love this. This is the Piku Piku. Yep. And the BFS, I actually caught this on that cast King Zephyr on the Babazumi rod. I caught my biggest smallmouth bass of, of my life. I caught it last fall on that exact bait on the BFS. Like, that was so exciting to catch uh, a four plus pound smallie. <laughs> it was it was probably a, it was approaching five. Just by, I, I didn't have a scale with me, but I measured the girth and the length of it. Yep. And that was... It was fat. Oh, it was fat. And I think it was 21 and three quarter inches. <laughs> like, big, it's, it's a big fish. Big girl. So... Stuff like that, I absolutely love. It's it's accurate. I can fire this thing under a tree. Easier than trying to feather the spinning rod, especially with lighter baits. You go to feather your spinning reel, and it just like stops the bait midair. Yeah. So again, more accurate. Yes. So that's that's kind of the stuff that I like to use primarily my my BFS for. And again, I do have some of the. I did get that nice Daiwa uh, Alphys because I did want to try casting some really finesse stuff. So some of the stuff that I, I have used that I'm excited to continue using, these are the, I think these are the micro chatterbaits. They are branded. This is, is a chatterbait. There's no trailer on it, but these things weigh, I think it's a 16th ounce jig head. They're tiny. <laughs> and I tip that with a little Z-Man trailer just because otherwise the tails get nipped off all the time on any other bait this size. And it's such a small vibration, but I've caught two pound bass on stuff like this. 
Yeah, for I, sure. I love it. And and even, uh, again, just like they do in Japan, my plan, uh, I'm going to be heading out to the East Coast soon, and I'm hoping to use my BFS on going for some uh, stream trip. So stuff like, you know, little Panther Martin spinners. Mm-hmm. Again, you fish these all day long, and the line twist after one day on a, on your trout rod is, is crazy because you're casting out 20 feet only. That's it. And all that twist is happening in the front 20 feet all day long. So the BFS and a little swivel, I'm going to have next to zero line twist after a full day of fishing. Which is a huge benefit. Yep. So the last thing I was going to talk about with BFS is would I recommend it? First of all, let's let's get Jess's opinion. Would you recommend, who would you recommend BFS to? I think, and, and you can't say someone who has holes in their pockets. With someone who is rich. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> for me, like you were saying, so you have true BFS, which is very lightweight baits that weigh like nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you have more like, I'd say like Western BFS, which is more like baits that are like, you know, quarter ounce ish, you know, maybe three eighths at the most mm-hmm. that I like it is Western BFS as we're going to call it. That's fun. That's I think that's applicable to North America. Yes. I'm not saying that true BFS doesn't have a use here because it depends what you're fishing for. If you fish for panfish, stream trout, then actual BFS is probably going to be something really fun for you. If you're trying to target largemouth, smallmouth, walleye, stuff like that, I feel like true BFS has minimal use for the average angler. I feel like doing Western BFS or baits that are slightly bigger is a better thing to me like i I don't ever find myself fishing it for bass and being like oh i have to downsize (laughs) and i have to downsize down to one thirty second of an ounce like that never happens it might be like oh this little quarter ounce crankbait like that's tiny i don't feel the need to go anything smaller than that even with like you know finesse drop shot and stuff i'm never chucking stuff that's less than like an eighth of an ounce yeah so i feel like what you do Yep. Western BFS or like North American BFS. I feel like there is a huge plus to doing it. And I feel like as the, as our fisheries get more pressured as you know, your fishing areas that are, you know, a lot of pressure, but clear water, it's a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, is there an advantage to use a spinning rod over baitcaster? Like if you already own a spinning combo, should you go buy a BFS combo? I feel like if, if you're interested in it and you like having fun when you go fishing, hundred percent do it. It, it. It's fun. Like uh, Andrew's combo is actually fun to use <laughs> yeah. so i just say yes. a couple times in the boat oh it's it's nice <laughs> and, and we always do that like me and andrew both have like nice combos that yep. we've that we've bought and i'll be like oh andrew try this rod and he's like oh how good could it be and he casts and he's like oh <laughs> right? and i did the same thing with his bfs rod like the first combo he had his budget one i fished it and i was like meh like i, I could i'd rather use a spinning reel his newer one, which is obviously more expensive, yes. but it is nice to fish. Like it is effortless as you cast, like even these tiny baits, they just, they just shoot off into the lake and you, you can't even see where they land. So yeah, that, that <laughs> is cool. The splash is so minuscule. Yeah, exactly. So you can't see the splash anyway. <laughs> but I feel like if you fish for smaller fish, and mm-hmm. I don't mean small fish, but I mean it like I'm talking perch, crappy, panfish in general, stream trout, um, maybe bass in, in creeks, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would 100% recommend it. I think for for me, I agree with with everything you said. I I do think that true BFS doesn't have much application here, just like you said. And if I was going to recommend, if someone wanted to get into BFS, it's like first of all, the question I would ask them is what What are your expectations? What are you trying to cast? Are you actually trying to cast two gram baits, sixteenth of an ounce baits, or 
Are you just trying to cast stuff that you can't cast in your regular baitcaster? For that, I agree that you should definitely look into getting something BFS. Uh, even, you know, maybe not full BFS, but something finesse so that you can cast that stuff. Because just like anyone, like how many rods, like I know you've owned rods that this is a jerkbait rod. You can fish other stuff with it, but it's geared to fish jerkbaits. You get a drop shot rod because it's geared to fish a drop shot rig. Yeah. You know, musky rods. Now this is, again, a little bit more extreme, but you get a musky rod because you want to fish the techniques that you need to fish to catch musky. You want to fish a big bait, you need a rod that can handle that. You want to fish a small bait. You need a rod and reel that can handle that. Exactly. So if you are willing to go and, and put money to get, you, you know, if if you're an average angler and you're, you're getting into the sport and you're ready to, to get a frog rod, you're ready to get a jerkbait rod, a crankbait rod and all this stuff, why not look into, I also want a rod to cast my finesse stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I 100%, 100% think that it's, I said it again, I got to, we got to get a thesaurus and just come up with a bunch of other terms that we can use instead of that and just put it on the wall. <laughs> But I wholeheartedly agree that BFS is something that I think most anglers should should look into if they have the opportunity. Yeah. And again, start off, uh, I, I can't recommend the casking Zephyr enough. A lot of guys will use that as kind of like the pinnacle of the, of the budget BFS stuff. Again, if you're using uh, Western style BFS, as we call it, that is uh, an amazing reel to start out with because you can cast all this stuff that's quarter ounce Crankbaits, not a problem. One of the things I love casting with it actually is uh, I really like small spinner baits. So this is a black fly uh, spinner bait. Again, something this, I think this is a quarter ounce. With the plastic, this thing probably weighs closer to a half an ounce with a, a nice big trailer on it like, like that. But I love fishing these small spinner baits because when, when something hits this, they absolutely engulf it. Like these things get inhaled. And I know Jesse fishes the bigger spinnerbaits. You can get bites. I'm not saying you need to fish a small spinnerbait. But for me, being able to cast a nice small one like this right through like a rice bed or something like that, I love it. Like this is this is exciting for me to catch these big fish on, on finesse baits. And the last thing as well that I, my favorite thing besides just finesse baits in general is finesse topwater. Oh, yeah. Is, is a blast. So like I said, we talked about the Piku Piku. This is probably one of my favorite uh, topwater baits. Uh, very, very finesse approach. It's not used for locating fish. It's you've located the fish and you just want to tease them to the surface. They're already there. I also have the, uh, the, the mega bass. I can't remember what this one is called. Uh, Karashi. And this is almost a top water. It doesn't quite float. I thought, I thought it would, but it's just like a, a just subsurface twitch bait pretty much, but you've still blow up on it. This thing gets eaten left and right. Again, like small finesse stuff on the top is amazing. Uh, even the the live target spiders, to be able to cast that with a with a bait casting reel again, you cannot cast this stuff. Even the larger size, you can't cast in a regular bait caster. I've I have tried. <laughs> They're just just light enough that they. I know they have a bigger size now though, so you could probably cast the biggest size. Yeah, but the small ones not really. Yeah, even stuff like this is a classic, but the old hula popper. Like these are the the tiny ones. So they have one treble hook on the bottom. And again, is, is it true BFS? No, but this thing weighs probably quarter ounce, quarter ounce, yeah. not even like that thing's just super light. It's probably yeah. an eighth of an ounce, <laughs> Yeah, it's but very, you can still tiny. cast this thing 20, 30 feet right into the top of the weeds, like just with, with lily pads around. And if you look at that, that is like the North, this is again, it's a little hula popper. It's the smallest size they make. And the profile of that is like 90% of the leopard frogs you see. 
that's that's the size of it that's what bass are eating left and right is stuff this size yeah and again so, if you're fishing a pressured lake where everyone's chucking the same size of bait yeah like say like again we fish the Kortha lakes a lot and everyone you see generally are fishing probably 80 percent the same baits mm-hmm. like they're all fishing you know weedless frog or all fishing a chatter bait all generally the same size if you can throw something slightly different usually i find that it works in the extremes either chuck something really big or yep. really tiny and that will attract the fish when they have seen every other bait under the sun that's exactly the same size fished in the same way fished in the same spot cast at the same angle like everything's <laughs> the same you see guys just go down the bank in their bass boat and they cast at the same spot one or two casts and they keep going they cast from another angle and then they go do something slightly different and you'll catch more fish mm-hmm. and if you look in here jesse how many of these lures do you recognize as stuff that i have used since like for 15 years like these lures aren't a lot of these lures aren't new no. use the stuff i've had them in tackle box like they've got rusty hooks on some of them that i have upgraded and have rusted again <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like some of these baits if i can just look at this yeah these are all like classics so like andrew's got the rebel cricket hopper which is is something that i've done well on myself yeah. on spinning gear so the rebel cricket hopper he's got some original floating rapalas yeah. countdown rapalas the rebel craw a little mm. hidden uh, head and tiny torpedo like yeah. the little little one little x traps like it's all baits it's not like bougie bfs baits I, that you can't have find some. at any place like like the eye waver here this is this is really cool actually that's a bougie but th- bait. This is a bougie bait. I got this at, uh, at Cancast actually. But but uh, again, like this, this is another example of, of a true BFS bait where this thing weighs a, a, a one eighth ounce. And when you reel this thing in the water, this, this tuft of a tail just like tightens down and you're supposed to just reel this in slowly. And it, it is hinged uh, kind of vertically. <laughs> and so when you reel this in, there's one treble hook on it and it's just such a slow reel. And it doesn't even move in the water, but you pause it and this tail just flares out. And it just looks like a minnow that's half dying on the surface. Like it's got one tail flick away from just being like dead. Yeah. And like think of what fish are, they're not going to pass up something like that. So the advantage of being able to use baits like this, again, this is bougie. This is a Japanese one. Um, but the advantage to being able to cast stuff like this. I, I find absolutely fascinating and I love, like I am so much more excited. Like we was talking about, I'd rather catch one fish in a frog than 10 on a Sanko. Yeah. I would rather catch, you know, one fish on a BFS bait, one good fish. Cause it will, I will catch fish. I'll catch a whole bunch of small ones too. Yeah. I'd rather catch one three pounder on this than like four, three pounders in a frog. Like this is exciting. Cause you're casting yes. this on light, an ultra light rod light and reel. And it's the fight of your life and you get that thing in and it's just, your, your heart's pumping. It's just like as if you caught a, a 40 plus inch muskie and it's like, oh, you're, just, you're, you're shaking with excitement for having that fight on such light tackle. So again, there's a lot of excitement in it. There's a lot of, uh, for me, a lot of passion with this whole setup and you don't have to break the bank, but I encourage you, anyone who is interested in it, do some research, find out what you can afford. If you look to get into it, there are some budget options out there. Yep. Uh, just like I did, try it out. If you like it, then you can upgrade later on. Exactly. And there are, like you said, there's a lot of options now because BFS has become, in the, in the last five years, I'd say it's become, ex- it's exploded in popularity. Yeah. So like there's lots of information, like one of the websites, I'm sure you've been on, Bait Finesse Empire. Yeah. They have all kinds of reviews on all types of reels. And some of the BFS reels that are popular, 
they're a hundred dollars, $150. You don't have to spend six, seven, $800. Like I know they have Shimano Calcutta beef BFS reels that are like 800 bucks. Like, (laughs) you know, if that's, if that's what you want, that's what you want. But if you can only spend a hundred bucks, you can get into it. Don't think that BFS is super bougie and expensive. Like it's becoming more popular. You can go like to our local store, Ganyon Sports. Like they don't, okay, they have the Corrado BFS reel. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping eventually one of the main companies like Daiwa and Shimano will come out with a North American BFS reel that's more reasonably priced. Yeah. Like 100, 150. Because the Corrado BFS is what, over 300 bucks or something like yeah. that. But you can get rods now at our local tackle shop that are specifically made for bfs mm-hmm. there's and mostly they're shimano shimano sensolite i noticed at one time they had a shimano corrado bfs there's a, Zo- a shimano zodiac bfs like all different price points if you want to spend you know 50 dollars or, or 300 dollars. and another store that i definitely check out is peterborough pro tackle they have a lot of really cool yeah japanese jdm stuff yep. so definitely and, check it out and stuff like that too you, you i found a lot more recently stuff like uh this is the, the small this isn't the smallest, I believe. I think there's one size smaller than this on X-Wraps. But they, they now stock them at Ganyons. Yep. And for a long time, you couldn't find this size X-Wrap anywhere. Like, it was impossible to find. When I, when I found this, I was like, 100% I'm buying two. <laughs> yeah. And I already lost one, got bit off by a pike. But to, to cast this on a regular baitcaster, uh, you can probably cast this maybe 20, 30 feet on a regular baitcaster just because you're using heavier line, yeah. uh, the, the, the spool tension, all that stuff weighing it down on that cast i put this thing because it has a weight transfer system in it on a small little bait i cast this with my with my zephyr the budget combo and i can fire this thing like 80 feet no problem yeah Yeah, like i've said it a whole bunch of times already but you've just downsized your combo to something that will fish all of these baits effectively yeah so again and that's that being said to add an example of i have a, a finesse bait casting combo it's not bfs it's a seven foot nine inch medium light uh, jerkbait rod. It's the Seth Fighter Daiwa Tatula Signature Series. That's a light rod. Mm-hmm. It, it casts down to a quarter ounce. And I have that with the Daiwa Tatula SVTW 103, which is a finesse bait casting reel. And I have 10 pound test on that for jerkbaits. Mm-hmm. I can cast small baits on that, but only so small. Like I can cast a quarter ounce bait, mm-hmm. no problem. The rod loads, it's a medium light. Yep. But if I try to cast some of these super small baits, you're not casting very far. And that's where the BFS comes in. I know spinning tackle is great, but there's something special about fishing it on a bait caster. It depends on the person. Some people yep. are like, oh, I prefer spinning. But you, when you when I go fishing, like Andrew, look, I'll have like in the boat, five bait casting combos, <laughs> sometimes not even a spinning combo because I'm a power fisherman. We fish a lot of weeds, but like I prefer bait casting. Yeah. Again, we don't fish like great, like smallmouth where you'd all fish, you know, spinning, but there's something special about fishing a bait caster. And when you want to cast those tiny baits, the only option is BFS and it works good. So I guess that about covers the, the I have whole. Some, I have some questions for oh, you though. 100%. I'd be happy to answer some. Ah, uh, take a shot. <laughs> so my, <laughs> my <it>. question. <laughs> I didn't realize I said it that time. Yeah. So I, I have a few BFS questions. Okay. So this isn't a competition because I don't own a BFS combo. Okay. <laughs> Probably never will. I'll, I'll turn you. What is, I know you kind of talked about this, but when you. I was there. I'm I'm pretty sure I was there. When you first got your first BFS reel, the Zephyr, Mm -hmm. when you first casted it, what was your experience? (laughs) Because it is different than a regular, from what I found when I cast it, the mechanics of casting a BFS is different than casting a regular bait caster. Can you explain that? So yeah. So the first time I casted it, backlash, which I expect with any new bait caster I pick up. (laughs) Yeah. You expect a few backlashes to start with. Uh, When I 
I did right away spool it up with 10 pound braid, which is four pound thin, uh, or like diameter. And I noticed that when I was casting it, if I tried to, if I casted too softly, cause I was like, Oh, I don't want it to backlash. I'll do a soft cast. It would backlash. If I cast too aggressively, I would get a backlash. So there was a, a learning gra- learning curve to get the right amount of momentum. You have to give it a snap. You have to get that rod to still load, uh, in order to get that proper proper casting mechanic. And it is a bit more sensitive with your thumb because, again, you don't have as much weight or, or resistance or pulling power of the bait. So you have to be really careful with how much pressure you're applying with your thumb uh, to get it to cast cast well. And the biggest thing is pretend you're learning to cast a bait caster all over again would be my advice. Just try and cast 20 feet. Don't try and cast 50 feet the first time. Try and cast 20 feet. Increase it with time. Lower your, your real spent, uh, tension with time, with experience. And now it's it's a breeze to use. And it takes a bit for the rod reel to get worn in too. But it, the hardest part was finding out how much kind of force I needed uh, on those different baits in order to get the rod to load properly so it actually released and started casting casting good. Yeah, and I found that when we went crappy fishing this spring and Andrew's like, here, try my new, it was your more expensive BFS combo mm-hmm. with the Elphis. Yep. And... Um, that's a nice reel. Like that's an expensive <laughs> reel. And I wound up to cast and the first few casts, I completely backlashed. I was like, what the heck? Like, and, and I, everyone backlashes from time to time, but generally when I'm fishing, I don't backlash that often. It happens, yeah. but every cast I was like, what the heck? And that you really have to get the momentum and, and the release like perfect. Yeah. But once you get that down, your brain's smart. It, it teaches your hand to do it and all the right things. I remember when I played guitar, my dad would always say, teach your fingers how to play the notes and then your brain will catch on. Like, you may think what you're doing is correct, but you have to teach your thumb yeah. to cast, okay? Same with the <laughs> guitar, same with fishing. So it will take a little bit of getting used to. So if you first get a BFS and you're you're just backlashing it, don't worry. It gets better. <laughs> yep. Well, it gets a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Another question. You said something about expectations. Yep. What is something that someone say they want to get into BFS because they read about it and they find it interesting? What are some expectations that you feel are unrealistic for someone getting into BFS? Like something that they may expect, like distance or, or anything like that? Like the, the biggest thing is, it was very disappointing for me because I was, uh, even on the second reel that I bought, I did a lot of research on it. I was watching, there's a bunch of videos about you guys reviewing these things, comparing these two reels. Like, oh, here's this one. Here's this Shimano and here's this, here's this. And they, they'll show like, oh, this casts. Uh, this one ounce bait in the same condition using the same line at the same reel tension and I cast it out 100 feet and this one got 104 feet so this reel cast further like all these things it, it doesn't matter yeah that was my biggest uh, downside when I was looking for a reel is trying to find watch these videos and the way they review them I don't think is is accurate whatsoever there's yeah. so much stuff for like human error that you can't compensate for when yeah. casting a bait caster. Every cast is going to be slightly different because they're so finicky. But, uh, so like I said, like if you're thinking that you're going to be able to cast like that guy in the video that you saw where, like, oh yeah, this will cast uh, a two gram bait 90 feet with this line and you go try it and you can only cast 30 feet. Guess what? That's just the way it is. That's a tiny, tiny bait that you just cast 30 feet. Like have your expectations in check. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is don't, don't, that I would recommend is, is I'm stuttering a lot there. 
but don't have your expectations too high as if you're going to be able to perform just like these guys on YouTube doing their, their real reviews. Exactly. Yeah. And the last question would be, I know you kind of, <clears throat> I know you kind of touched on the one example, but what's your most memorable catch so far in a BFS? It would have to be, I'll tell the full story actually of that, of that bass. It's hundred percent that smallmouth bass. I was with my dad fishing a lake. Uh, we've been to that lake a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times since there's, <laughs> there's some good fish in there. Every time we go, the weather is terrible, <laughs> Yeah, but I know you've seen the lake it has really good promise and I know there's great fish in there. Yeah. So one of these days it'll line up good with the, well, the first and- <laughs> time we went, it was like 39 degrees with no wind. Yeah. We like baked to death. And then the second time we went back. And we caught some like the average size fish. We were catching like two pound bass, which, you know, wasn't yeah. great, but it's like, okay. Yeah. But again, on a day like that. Yeah. Okay. We did pretty good. And then the second day we went, which is actually just a few weeks ago, we went and it was the, it was like right after a storm, cold front came in and huge white caps on the lake. It was terrible, but <laughs> yeah. the spots were amazing. It was 10 degrees cooler that day than the day before. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping one day, maybe this fall we'll go back and go small yeah. fishing. So as I was fishing this lake in the fall last year, I was with my dad. I finally got my dad out on my, my tinner that I've been building. And so it was his first trip out and we've been fishing for a while and uh, I cast out with the, the Piku Piku, which is that, that wacky rigged hard topwater bait. Jackal. Yeah. And so I, I cast that out in front of this rock face in front of a cottage and I, I, I was just twitching on the surface of the water. It sends out these little ripples in the top of the water. It's, it's, like a, it's a very calm. cool bait. Oh, it's so awesome. Very cool. And all of a sudden this big fish came up, grabbed it and just went right back down. And I thought all this was a big thing of gold come up and hit this bait. And so I, I reel in the slack to, cause it took my, my lure towards me. So I'm reeling in the slack and I realize it's, it's all slack made no sense. And then I look and my bait is not on the end of my line anymore. I'm like, did I get bit off? I'm like, no, my, my fast hatch is still there. The issue was, uh, it, it, I wasn't paying attention so that the fast hatch started to loosen up. It just starts to spread a bit on that snap connection, right? Okay. So the bait had slipped out. I'm like, Ooh. okay, it floats though. Let me see if it's not hooked. I didn't get to hook the fish at all. It just came right off. So I saw it floating, went over, picked it up. Perfect. So my dad, we kept fishing. He caught a couple of walleye, a couple of bass. It's a good day. And I'm like, let's hit that spot again. Cause I know there's something big there. I yep. saw it come up. So I started casting some other baits first. Just because I know something's there. I cast, I even cast out a Sanko, nothing. And then I cast out, you know what? It hit this before. I'm going to try it again. So I cast out with the Pico Pico again on my BFS and I just start twitching it in. And this thing comes up a second time, just comes up, nails it and just swims away, set the hook. And I, I was, I'm sure I was screaming and my dad's like, like doesn't know what to do just because I'm, I'm not probably not making any sense <laughs> in the moment I'm shaking. I'm like, dad, get the net, get the net, get the net. So he gets the net in the water. I, I swing it over. And again, this is the first big fish I've landed on my BFS. So I know that I want to take this thing easy. I don't know how well it's hooked. I don't know how strong these hooks are. Uh, they are finesse. You know, I don't know how strong my line is. Is my not going to hold? Uh, so I was, I was nervous about, manhandling this fish so i'm just trying to ease it in we get it in the net and yeah it's 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 an amazing smallmouth bass so when i when i got that i was shaking so much i tried to take a video and i my voice wasn't working <laughs> i was too quivery yeah so i got some good photos uh that's all that came of that for content <laughs> uh the video did not turn out <laughs> but that that i would have to say is the most memorable memorable just because 
to fish on on a to catch a fish like that where I know that it's there to use a presentation exactly as it should be to be fishing finesse because they were biting light that day. It was all finesse presentations that day. It was proved to me that BFS is worth it. You can catch big fish on BFS when there's a, when you need a finesse presentation and it's becoming more and more popular. I find that I need to go finesse to catch more fish. You can still catch the quality fish with it. So for me, that's, that's been the most memorable and have a heck of a time doing it. It's yeah. super exciting. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll, I'll get a BFS combo. But for now I have like, I have like three or four <laughs> ultralight trout combos that I got over the years. So it's kind of like, it's hard when you have combos that can do the same thing to spend money on a combo yeah. that pretty much does the same thing pretty much. But yeah, Andrew <laughs> might, he might convince me one of these days to get one, but we'll see. He, he Jesse convinced me. I, I recently bought uh, my own flipping rod, flipping and pitching rod yeah. and, and like heavy duty. For, for heavy cover. So uh, if Jesse's convinced me for that, I think it's only fair that eventually I'll convince him to get a, a BFS. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so we thank you every much. Uh, we thank you every much. We thank you everyone for listening to another hopefully interesting episode. Uh, I know I did a lot of rambling in that one just because it's not a topic that Jesse knows about it. He knows a lot about it, but it's not something that he does. So I have, I'm the guy who's talking because I'm like, I love this. <laughs> you just see me staring at the camera like. <laughs> so I apologize if you got absolutely sick of my voice there. You know, though, I've had, I had, have had a lot of people over the last maybe like since we started the podcast ask about doing a BFS episode. Mm-hmm. So for those people, here you go. For those that maybe, you know, aren't interested in doing it eventually, now you know a little bit more about it. Maybe mm-hmm. in the future, like me, you might pick up a combo. And if you have any questions, again, I'm not, I'm not going to profess to be super knowledgeable about it. But it's something that I I've, I've, I do love and I'm getting more and more into it. So if you have any questions about it, you can always feel free to reach out to uh, to me at aver- uh, AOA underscore Andrew on Instagram. That's that's where I'm going to see a, a message come in. Yep. And I'd be more than happy to to talk to you about BFS fishing. Or if you have any recommendations on, on lures or stuff, if you are into it or, or combos, I love to get more information on stuff like that myself even. So either way, it's a two-way street to learn about fishing, about anything these days. So if you want to talk about it, by all means, hit me up there. Yeah. And we'll put, I'll put a bunch of, dis, uh, in the description below or in the show notes, I'll put a bunch of the links to some of the lures that we talked about, as well as uh, Andrew's combos as well, if you want to check that out, just in yeah. case you're interested. And we'd like to take this time to mention, uh, we do have a Patreon set up if you'd like to help support the show. There are monthly expenses that are incurred filming this show every week. And Japanese BFS baits are not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> But to help us cover the cost just for the show, not for any profit for us, if you'd like to donate $2 or a dollar or whatever the heck you want to donate, that would be much appreciated. We do have a bunch of Patreons right now already. We'd like to thank those that are already helping us out. And uh, yeah, that's my financial spiel. Round of applause for them. Thank you, sirs. And and ma'ams. And... No, there's only guys so far. <laughs> okay. So ladies, step up. <laughs> Equality. <laughs> I was about to say that. You know what? I'd like to take this moment right now to say <laughs> we've really been pushing through our vacations to get these podcasts up every week. And Andrew has been a beast. He's He's been working overtime, uh, you know, on call, doing the podcast, and he is going to Nova Scotia tomorrow. Yeah. For what? Yeah. A full I mean, week. So, we, we had so much stuff to catch up on. And yeah, and because I'm, yeah, I'm going on vacation and I'm going to be going to school shortly too. So I got slammed with a bunch of on-call from work to (laughs) before I left so that I could make use of that apparently. So yeah, (laughs) I've been kept busy, but 
the, the funny story is that we'll have a little bit of news quick before we finish up. So Andrew's going to go away to Nova Scotia. When he gets back, we're going to actually be f- uh, recording a podcast at Algonquin Park. I am which is, super excited. Which is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the podcast with a special guest as well. Yes. So that'll be cool. And then Andrew will also tell you some stories about his time in Nova Scotia. So yeah. anyway, we'd like to thank everyone for listening and we will see you next week.